graduated from SUNY Fredonia myself. I know you're a Fredonia alumni. So uh, my question to you is when you were walking into Sunny's or Old Main, what song would you love to hear as your theme song where you were jumping into Sunny's to hit the dance floor for that first dance? Oh my gosh. <laughs> time out. Tyler, who are we taking a time out with today? Thank you, Kevin. Well, today, everybody, we have Lori Florak, president of Lifetime Benefit Solutions. And uh, Lori, thanks for being on our show. I was going to go through your list of your accolades, Lori. But it take me probably about a week and a half to run through all that. So uh, we're going to just go over why we do this show real quick. Kevin, why do we do this? Thanks for reminding me, Tyler, why we did this. Uh, so Tyler and I kind of had this crazy idea of interviewing some incredible guests and local leaders like Lori today. Um, we want, we're two genuinely curious journeymen, and we're always trying to learn from others because everybody has a story to share with us. And we're here to make sure that Lori showcases her skills and her abilities and what made her an incredible leader of where she's at today at Lifetime Benefit Solutions. So Tyler, what's your first question? Thank you, Kevin. And again, thank you, Lori, for being on our show. You're our first female. I think Kevin mentioned that. We're all fired up over here. And I just wanted <laughs> to, uh, yeah, and I just wanted to uh, throw the question out. Uh, what do your employees not know about you? It will be really hard pressed to find something that my employees don't know about me. I think most of them would say, uh, I share a lot, wear my heart on my sleeve. I mean, maybe the bad dreams I have once in a while about Cobra subsidies, <laughs> but it's that it's that culture of uh, it sounds like transparency that you've been built over there. So yeah. funny story. Important. I graduated from SUNY Fredonia myself. I know you're a Fredonia alumni. So uh, my yeah. question to you is when you were walking into Sunny's or Old Main, what song would you love to hear as your theme song where you were jumping into Sunny's? Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, <laughs> been a long time Kevin um oh um gosh I feel like back then it was outcast you know hey yeah uh, you know yep yeah yep that would get my legs moving too yes. yeah <laughs> all right then I got another one staying in the same theme of Fredonia is uh what's your best PG story from FedFest Oh, come on. Um, <laughs> that's not even a fair question, Kevin. <laughs> that's awesome. Malorio, well, we saw, you know, I mentioned your accolades and how they're about a couple miles long over here. And I just wanted to <laughs> chime in and, and say, uh, I, I saw that you won the 40 under 40 and the uh, rookie of the year back in your day. At, a long time ago. <laughs> and yeah, so I was just, uh, what, what was your first job ever going from, you know, you're a president now. And what was your, how did yeah. all this begin? Um, well, um, I, I started working for Mark's Pizzeria when I was 15. And, you know, initially I was a phone girl. And then, you know, I was promoted to like take the pizzas out of the oven and cut them. I don't really know if it came with a promotion. Um, <laughs> you know, eventually I started making the pizzas. And then I think by the time I was 16 or 17, I was closing the store. So that was kind of cool. Um but yeah, I mean, I, I started working I, even prior to March Pizzeria. I mean, I always found odd jobs to make money, um, tried to save up for, you know, my first car and everything. My parents wouldn't give me anything for free. So I was working hard, even it, yeah. as a little That girl. must be the Italian way, right? I think it might be the <laughs> yeah. Italian way. It's like that tough Pretty love. Sure what was the first, uh, what was the car that you drove off the lot, the first car that you bought? Come off the lot. 
it came off of somebody's brass. It was a, <laughs> a 1988, maybe, um, Chevy Corsica. And it was, um, I think it was $200. And if you hit a bump just so, the, the, the hood would fly up like in Tommy Boy, you know, and like oh, the windows yeah. would sometimes all collapse at the exact same time because they were, you know, the crank windows. So that was my first beat. Man, was this, is this what you drove back and forth with, uh, from Rochester to, uh, to Fredonia? Um, until, un yes, it was actually. Um, I First, I drove it back and forth from Fairport High School. That was fun. And then um, to Fredonia until... AAA kicked me off of their plan. Wow, and you were kicked off. I didn't even think yeah, I did that. <laughs> most people don't know that you can be booted. And then I had to buy a new car. Um, I noticed that. I think, was it 2018, you became the president over there? And I was, what, I was wanting to know, what was the first change you made when you got that title? So within the organization or personally? <laughs> uh, oh, within the organization, because I was on my way over here to meet you and Kevin, and I was thinking if I was ever a president, what the very first change I would make. So I figured that'd be a decent question to ask you, and I was pretty interested. You know, um, it, it, when I think about the actual business, I, I think the first official change I made was to decide to no longer do this very, very specific type of billing program that we did that... Um, really wasn't anything that was huge. We had a few clients that that used it, but it wasn't our bread and butter. And it was very manual. And, you know, um, that was probably the first big business decision I made. But I'll tell you that probably the bigger change the company would remember me for is um, cultural changes. So as soon as I came on board, I um, very quickly began to share a lot about who I was, what was important to me, what I wanted the culture to look like within our organization of at the time around 200 employees. And, you know, I kept my door open all the time. My blinds up all the time. I walked around every day. I, um, you know, shook everyone's hand and, and tried to learn everyone's name within 90 days. That was a really hard thing to accomplish, but I did it. And I would say that was probably the biggest change that I made in the beginning um, was to, to really just start learning from everyone that was there. What, what do you think the, the number one, like most important component is to building a good work culture? I think it's listening. Uh, I think that's number one. So, you know, we can all be clear around the culture we want to create and aspire to have. And, and certainly that's important because if it's not clearly defined, we won't get there. But before you put those kind of expectations out there and set them in stone. I think it's first listening what's really important to folks. And, um, you know, in our case, the culture had already been defined because we're, we're part of a larger company with a very, very important, you know, heavy focus on culture. But for me, it was really listening to what was incredibly important to all of the folks that were within Lifetime Benefit Solutions and or our partners and the other entities, and then helping them see or making those connections between what was important to them and where we're trying to go. I always think that listening is one of those things that uh, is overlooked because I think that a lot of times we want to think about what we're going to say next and not really listening to what that person's even saying. Um, yep. And we, we kind of miss the mark in some of these initiatives, like you're saying, from a culture perspective. 
obviously being a female in a very male dominated industry like insurance itself, what was that, what was that first step like you? Because I know you came from the world of HR and you've really successfully now made the transition to be a true president and really understanding the importance of people. But what were some of the challenges that you first faced being a female coming into a, to a very male dominated industry? So, you know, I, I have to say, um, and nobody's paying me to say this. I am, I am so fortunate because I am in a, I, many of most, all of the other line of business leaders within our enterprise are, are males and um, my boss is a male, my boss is boss and, you know, so on. But I've never felt so supported. Um, I don't actually, I never really thought of it as what it's like as a female. I mean, if, if I had to answer that question, the one thing I might say is I'm someone who maybe, um, has a very um, organic nurturing quality. And mm -hmm. I also, you know, I joke, like I feel all the feels, like when something <laughs> is really exciting, like I get really excited. If something's scary, I get scared, you know, and, and everyone knows, you know, you, I, Lori doesn't hide, you know, mm -hmm. what's going on. And, and that is a little different, I'd say, than some of my peers. But frankly, I think it's been a bit of an advantage for me in the sense that Lifetime Benefit Solutions has been through a lot of change since I've come on board and it's helped people always know where I stood and where they stood with me and they know that. So, you know, there's things that, there's times I have to translate, um, you know, especially with my boss, who's probably my complete and polar opposite, but phenomenal. But we, we balance each other out well. And, um, you know, I, I think it works. The fact that your emotional intelligence is much, much higher as a female. And I think that, that it's, it's nature over nurture. And I think it's understanding that um, being uh, or having the ability to share your emotions with people and let them in, it almost builds that level of trust or that fundamental building block. Now, I have to ask, you have an incredible video on your website. How many takes was that for, of that video? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? It actually, uh, it wasn't so bad. I'll tell you what was funny is we first recorded the video and it was fantastic. And then we realized that the setting had a shadow in the background where you could see the camera person. So it, it did take two days because okay. the first time I was like, we nailed it. And then they were like, no, sorry, I'm in the background. You know, so <laughs> we had to do it again. Um, but, you know, maybe a few, uh, a few takes. And by the second day, I had enough practice that it was, you know, it was pretty quick. So I know Kevin and I have a lot of uh, bloopers to share with the oh, world someday uh, in, our, in our video ones. making. But uh, Lori, <laughs> oh, I wanted I to ask wait. you, um, was there a specific day that you woke up out of bed and said, I'm going to be a president of a company? How does that even work? <laughs> I, I, it's just so beyond my wildest dreams. I just had to ask you, do people uh, wake up and say, you know what, by golly, I'm going to be a president? <laughs> Not until after I got the job. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it was a bit of a shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you know, this was never something that was on my development plan. This was never, you know, and I'm a very planful person. So um, it, it was a bit of a curveball for me. But, you know, when I, when the opportunity became available, my predecessor retired and it was clear to me what was needed within the organization. I was close to the organization through my work from a strategic HR perspective. And I supported the planning of a lot of strategies for the company in, in that way. And I had gotten to know a lot of the people in the products. And 
so when he left, you know, he basically did one of those, you're up kid, you know, tap me on the shoulder. And I, you know, I still, to be clear, I still had to apply and go through a very rigorous interview process. I was not handed the job, but to be candid with you, I didn't think they were going to take me. So um, <laughs> when they did, um, I was a little bit like, oh, okay. And so, um, you know, I accepted the job. I remember saying to my boss, give me a day to like think about this before you tell people. And then he announced it to the whole company about 30 minutes later. So um, I really didn't have the time to wrap my brain around it. But I'll say, you know, I woke up the next morning and I thought to myself, wow, you know, this is kind of a big deal. And it was a little scary, but it was also really exciting. And, um, you know, the, the, the purpose of our organization within the healthcare landscape and, and in our community in particular is so important that I was more excited than anything. Awesome. And who, who was the first person you called after you got that, the promotion to president? Well, um, this will tell you a little something about my boss. Actually, I didn't have to call anyone because he, my boss, despite the fact that he had never met him, found my husband's contact information in a very sneaky way, which I won't disclose here, and um, called him and told him that he was going to be offering me the job the next day and asked him to be there. So when he offered me the job, he opened up the door and my husband walked in. I was really, really used. Um, not to mention the fact that my husband worked overnights. So he was like, his eyes were all bloodshot. It was in the morning. Um, so I didn't really have to make a call it, initially. You know, my husband was there. I, after that, it was probably my mom. Um, I, I'm sure I called her, you know, proud within mother. minutes. Proud Italian mother. That. I'm sure she, she was very yeah. excited for you. She was like, what does that even mean? <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that you talked about, though, and it seemed like when you were going through that interview process, and I, I know Tyler and I struggle with it ourselves, is really identifying our own strengths and like what, why we would even be selected for this, this, this position, like you're saying, in this exciting yeah. um, uh, promotion that you were, had received. And you didn't even think that you were going to get it yourself. Looking back, what is Lori's like greatest strength and why do you feel like you were given this opportunity? Um, I'd say maybe two things. One is I, I care a lot. I just care. And it's not, um, it's not like a cheesy thing. It's not something I just say because it's the right thing to say. Like I genuinely look at our organization's mission, both LBS and our, our parent company, um, and I, and I want to just, I just want to make a difference there. So, um, I think I care and then maybe connected, but somewhat separate is that throughout my career, I've always kept in context that I may have goals, but they have to, the organization's goals trump my goals. Mm -hmm. And as long as I understand those organizational goals, I can fulfill my own. Right. But mm -hmm. you can't start backwards. Right. So, you know, I always had aspirations to grow and develop as a, senior leader or executive of the organization, but I knew it was going to happen if I wasn't going to like jump in where they really needed me, where the organization's goals called for it. Mm -hmm. And I think that that um, mindset set me up for, um, you know, not not entitlement, but the pursuit of where I could move the needle the most. Awesome. Awesome. And what's your secret sauce to motivating people over there, Lori? I, I, I saw a few people uh, comment on your LinkedIn. And one guy said, uh, you know, Lori helps rec uh, people recognize their skills 
and areas of improvement. And I, I saw that you were a psych, have a psych background too. So I got a little scared when I came on this call. My wife has a psych background, so she can pick me apart real quick, Lori. But um, um, what's you the- You didn't see her chatting down the hall? <laughs> yeah, I'm sweating over here. But, but really, I mean, when, when you see someone with a, a specific skill and they don't know they have it, how do you bring that out in them? Because I think I know a guy that's, that's happened to before a few times over here. And I just want to see how what people see in other people to bring that good out in them. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a, it's a good question. I, I don't know that I have like a brilliant answer. I think there's folks that in the last three years since I've been here, I've seen really exhibit certain skills that maybe they don't even know they have. And the biggest thing I think I can do is first call it, you know, hey, that thing you did, like right there, that specific thing, that was great. And I'd like, you know, I'd like to see more of it. And then the other thing that I think I have tried to do is help them find where they can move the needle. Like I was just talking about how I do it for myself, but, you know, we always have strategic needs as an organization and there's always going to be gaps. And I might be able to say, you know, hey, you over there who did this very specific thing, I can see you might be able to help here too and engage them and, and help them connect them into the puzzle in some way where they can actually utilize those skills so they can see it and others can see it. I love that you celebrate that, right? And I think that a lot of times it's, it's, it's we've, had, we've had past conversations, Lori, and we've talked about treating somebody like they're worth $200,000. You don't ever need to compensate them even nearly close to that. But just even hearing a leader like yourself telling somebody that they're doing a good job, that, that is an engagement tool in and of itself that is free at the end of the day and really helps motivate them. So I love how you kind of almost feed that entrepreneurial spirit of that individual within the organization to know where they're valued and where they can provide value to you and the organization. Um, when you are, I guess, back to the psychology piece and, and back to the HR piece, because very few move, I believe, from HR into uh, the president's role. Your understanding about humans and how we make decisions and how we think, how has that made you a better leader into what you do today? It, it's everything. I, it, it's been everything for me. I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying that if you don't have that HR background, you're not going to get it right. Like not at all. But for me in my specific career path, um, it has, it has enabled me to look at business challenges in a way that is drastically different than I would say, um, the, the typical business lens, right? So since I've come on board, of course, I've developed a very um, strong financial savviness, you know, leadership um, acumen, and those things are all super important. But my, you know, from the hip is always going to be, here's where we need to go. What do the people need to know about this to get them to do that, right? And and I know I can only do so much. I can only come in there and you know crank out all the hard work and make all the calls and do all I'm like, I can't, I can't do it all. I need them to know exactly where we need to go, what exactly that looks like, and then make sure they feel bought into it. It's not happening to them. They're, they're, they're doing it. So I, I think it's been everything. I've, I know Kevin and I have talked a few times about some of the, the pretty big changes I've made within this organization since I've come on board. 
and um, the fact that people were the very first thought and the very um, you know top priority through the changes. And it was it was it wasn't just something we said; it was something we showed them through all of our actions. Um, has enabled us to retain our talent in a way that I actually never knew possible. It's almost your secret secret sauce on that uh, culture that you've had to rebuild over there at Lifetime. And I'm not going to make any qualms about it, but you really, when you stepped into the role, it was your opportunity, like you said, to move the needle for the organization. And I think through our conversations and, and knowing about you and your background in HR, culture, transparency, and communication were the first mission critical items to really right the ship um, and shape it as your own culture and your own design. When you're building anybody that's looking to either rebuild a culture or turn a culture around, what advice would you have for somebody that is almost in the same steps that you were two years ago and in, in before a pandemic? What advice would you have to share with our guests on how they can effectively take that first step of rebuilding the culture? I think I alluded to it before. I, I think you have to be really clear about what a positive culture looks like. You know, I think there's a lot of talk around positive culture and culture drives business results and all those things, which are really important. But if you haven't provided specificity around what that means to you and what it should mean to others, everyone is subject to their own interpretation of what that means. And face it, nobody comes in to work. I mean, shouldn't say nobody, very few people come into work day-to-day -day basis and think, oh, I'm going to make somebody else's life miserable, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> I think most people tend to operate with the best of intentions. And our job is to ensure that they know when their intentions might be working against or toward our desired culture. And being a leader of so many people over there, Lori, how do you fulfill everybody with a purpose over there, given so many employees that you're the head of? I wouldn't know where to start, you know, it, to, it, for me, I'm asking for me because my company gives me purpose and that's all you got to give me. And I'm, I'm off to the races, you know, and, and yeah. learn, learn from you, you know, having over a hundred people, I couldn't fathom, you know, having each individual have that purposely driven life, so to speak, when they walk into the door each day. and, and I just want to know your thoughts on that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I'd say, I mean, I, I play a part in that. The leaders and the individuals even play a big part in that too, you know? So I think the part that I play is truly taking the time to clarify and constantly communicate why we exist. What, what is our organizational purpose? At the highest level, at the highest level, where we want to provide affordable healthcare and you know, going down the chain, you know, we want to support, um, you know, the bend of the, the curve of all of the, the rising medical costs out there. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's pretty simple. Like that's, that's what we all want to do. It, it comes down to then translating on an individual case-by-case -case basis, like, you know, claims team, this is what you do and how it impacts call center. This is what you do and how it impacts. Um, you know, finance, sales, it, wherever you go, you know, we need to rely on strong leadership to help translate our mission and our vision um, to inspire folks to really rally around that. And I think the broader we can be in our purpose, and it sounds a little counterintuitive, especially after I just talked about being crystal clear, 
Um, but I think when we also can provide the broad perspective, it helps people come up with their own creative ways to help solve those, those purpose areas, right? Like, so if, if they know we want to save costs and I say, this is something we need to do, they're going to come up with 20 ideas before I can come up with two, you know? And um, I think that's, it, there's a, both a top-down and a bottom-up approach to that. Um, seeing that, uh, obviously, you've had a lot of success and you won uh, to, back to Tyler's uh, um, laundry list of accolades that you've received over your time. The Rochester Women's Network, you won up-and-coming rising star in 2014. Obviously, this is well before the promotions um, that you had uh, then received a few years later. What, um, from the community of leaders that we have here in the, in the Rochester Women's Network locally, what would you tell your younger self um, of what you've learned up until this point, of what you've learned in leadership or all the jobs that you've held and had? What would, what would be the one thing that you would tell your younger self, Lori? Um, that one's a kind of an easy answer for me. It's a, it's a proverb, so I didn't make this up, but it's, it's if you wanna go fast, go alone. If you wanna go far, go together. So if you can, you can see from, you know, my accolades you guys keep talking about, like I'm, I'm a um, taskmaster, tenacious, like I like to get it done, you know, like I love to check it off my list and um, I, I, I like a little control and I don't, I don't like to control people. I, I like to control like myself and what I can do, you know? So the way that helped me back when maybe in, I was an up and coming woman, um, was to get this list of accolades and have these career accomplishments and to be really involved in the community in not-for-profit organizations and so on and so forth. So maybe that's what got me that, but what I had to learn after that and the advice I'd give myself is there's only so much you can do. And, you know, you're not superwoman and, um, you know, your ability to actually create, um, systems changes, you know, in a larger system is limited, very limited to the extent you're capable of inspiring a, a group of others around a vision and a mission. Um, so I used to go home and like I said before, like break it out. Like I'd like go home, open up my laptop and like work really hard. You know, like I used to think hard work was going to get it. Yeah. I mean, it might be the um, traditional, uh, you know, Italian in me, like that's what my family ingrained into me. But I did learn that it was, it was far more important that the other folks know where we're trying to go and could equally contribute and oftentimes contribute more. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Awesome. And yeah, Lori, and I was uh, thinking, do you have any local role models that you learned after around here? Or is there anybody you look up to that you, you, you really got some good uh, nuggets from and just, uh, and, and carried those actions out still to this day? Yeah, well, um, maybe maybe not like your traditional answer, but um, my mom. So my, my mom is, she's not a, um, she's not in the professional world. She's a school bus driver. Um, and, but I learned everything from her, you know, like um, kindness, you know, say please and thank you. Um, ride the waves of change, you know, um, just 
she's she's my role model honestly when it comes to my career there's there's countless people that I could name and if I name one I'm going to be really mad at myself later because <laughs> I'm going to have um, but within the the Lifetime Healthcare Companies organization, I mean, I'm inspired every day by a number of really, really strong, outstanding leaders that have the same qualities and characteristics my mother does. Mm-hmm. And you're just generally attracted to those. And I, 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 too, I think of when we hold the door for people and now people are surprised that you're even holding the door for them. Something's going wrong in society because it's like, I think my Italian mother has drilled that into my head as well as like, say your please, say your thank you. And I love your point about riding the wave of change. You mentioned your mother being a school bus driver uh, uh, here in the local area. Um, and we also, in our digging, found that you are part of the Rochester Educational Foundation. Mm-hmm. What, obviously you have a passion for education, you understand its importance. What would you yep. say, like, why do you think education is so important and how do we improve, I guess, what we're doing today to maximize the value of what education and the future it holds for our youth, um, as well as people that might be going back to school to, to upskill themselves? That's a good question. Um, I have a million thoughts running through my head. Um, education, it, I, I obviously feel strongly about it. I, I myself have gone through a lot. Only about four or five serve. degrees there. Yeah, so <laughs> I figured I would ask. <laughs> true um um, and being on the board of the Rochester education foundation i obviously i obviously really value it and see its importance i think if i had to if i had to answer that question the thing that's popping into my mind is it's a little comparable to what we were talking about a few minutes ago we know where we need to go i was talking about inside my company we know where we need to go but other individuals need to have access to the skills and knowledge they need to help us get there. Um, and, you know, as a society and as a community, if we don't invest in those that can contribute to our needs, um, how can we ever expect anything to change? Um, so, you know, education is vitally important to me because it gives individuals the resources they need to contribute in the way they see can move the needle. And giving them purpose. And I, I think I've seen such an influx of, of, of businesses really trying to scratch the surface on, they've discounted a uh, culture, they've discredited some of these other items and, and really kicked that can down the road because their number one focus was on profits and making money. Um, those yeah. businesses are really suffering and maybe even struggling more so than others right now during this yeah. challenging labor landscape what do you think as far as like your role as a president going in to educate the youth on future potential career opportunities I know I have my degree in biology and I do not per se use it you have your degree in psychology you use it in a different way my sister is a VP of a of a construction company down in Baltimore and she also got her degree in psychology but what do you think your role as a leader in our community going out and educating these students before they, I guess, decide to go to Fredonia and get that degree? Um, You know, it's so funny because I I feel like I didn't, I never really knew who to talk to to get guidance on what I should study and and where to go. Um, I have have a passion around supporting people with that. I I serve as a mentor um, in a couple of different forums right now out in the community to support people. And I still see that as a gap. 
you know, I think there's a lot that I've learned through my career around, you know, what opportunities exist out there and what it might take to get them. Um, and I think that it's prudent for folks that have found themselves in a successful career to give back to some extent um, to those in the community. You know, I wish I could say I have this really great idea and concept of how I'm doing that. I think it's a little bit more ad hoc and doing it when and where and how I can. But um, I will tell you on the side, I absolutely love helping people with their resumes and prepare for, you know, interviews and, and providing career guidance because I know that that was a gap that existed when I was going through the process. So, you know, I give back at every opportunity that I can. I just think it, it if it's done at a broad scale, wide scale level, it lacks the unique, um, you know, personalized approach that is often needed. All right, Lori. Well, hey, going from pizza girl to president, I was uh, thinking, <laughs> what? If you could write a book, what would it be about? What would you title it? Oh, pizza girl to president. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rookie. Um, that was a long time ago. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's funny. It, it applies based on, you know, why I got rookie. I think I would call it um, grit and grace. Um, you know, I guess it, it would be about, you know, doing the hard work and accepting challenges as they come with grace, you know, being graceful to yourself, being graceful to others, and, you know, riding those waves of change as right. they come. And how do you be graceful in just like ultimate stressful situations? Like when it hits the fan, like how, how, how does Lori, what, what practices do you put into place? in order to be graceful and to, to keep, continue to listen and not to completely not lose your mind. You know, we, we all went through 2020 together and, you know, there was a few times I, I just didn't know what was going to go on, Lori. So I was just wanting to know from a president uh, perspective, when, when it hits the fan over there, what do you do? So the first, the first thing that came to my mind is fake it till you make it, um, <laughs> you know, like, like, down. okay, I know this doesn't feel good and I might be breaking out into hives, but I just sit here and smile for a minute. And, you know, I do have a visual that might be, it might be useful. I, I, I have this visual that I actually share with folks is we all have reactions to things that happen to us on a day-to-day -day basis. And I've already told you, I feel all the feels, right? Everybody knows that about me. Um, but I liken it to when you see a duck floating in the water. And, you know, what do you see? You see this beautiful duck just gracefully floating in the water, but like underneath the surface, their little legs are, you know, going like this, right? So honestly, when I am triggered or anxious or nervous about something, I visualize that duck. So strange, but I do because I'm like, okay, let me ingest information. I know that no great decisions are made in this state, right? but ingest all the information I can listen, because remember that was one of my most important qualities as a leader. And then take a little time before you react so that you can actually respond as opposed to react. So important. I think so many people and so many business leaders, especially during the pandemic, when they didn't even know what tomorrow was gonna bring, it was much easier to make those emotional and, and theoretically and, and best practice, maybe months later, they realized a little rational decisions that they had to make. Um, sure. because they didn't take that time. So I, I, I really yeah. enjoy you 
kind of ingesting all the information, taking the information and having your time as Lori, the mastermind on your own to really think about, okay, what do I need to do and how do we, how do we get to where we need to be? Um, one of the uh, pieces that you, you had mentioned is, is the term grit. And I think it's, a, it falls in the same line with uh, this uh, famed resilience conversation that we see time and time again. Understanding that you know how humans are making decisions and, and, and from the psychology background of what you have, what do you think predicts resilience or what do you think factors into resilience and how you've been able to build that resilient workforce that you mentioned um, even during your short tenure there already? You know, it's a good question. I mean, the first thing that came to my mind was experiences. I mean, we build resilience as we go, but I don't think that's all. I, I think um, you can have resilience without tons of life experiences. I think there's a level of support that's just required. And I think we can get through anything if we try to do it with others or together or, um, you know, as cliches, it sounds row in the same direction. Mm -hmm. um, that level of support, I think, allows groups to accomplish things that are far, far and above what maybe they thought they could. So they can't do it on themselves. And that's different because typically everybody thinks that leaders have a, a bit of an ego of themselves and it's their ideas and their decisions. And we've all really been a part of that during our, 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 our life's journey. Starting sure. back to Tyler's point is being a pizza girl and collecting the phones, but working your way up even, even at that job at Marks. How does that impact your view as a leader? Did you learn like what not to do and what you would do as a leader? Like how did that, how did your humble beginnings factor into what you're doing today as a leader? I think I just don't take anything for granted. I, um, you know, I, I, I don't believe that, you know, anything should be handed over. I, I, you know, I recognize that hard work can only get an individual so far. Right. But that it made me who I am and it helped me learn aspects of all types of different jobs that are challenging. I mean, let's face it. There are, there are some jobs that are really hard and, and I may go home and think, oh my gosh, this is so hard, but you know, you could say that in every job. And if you haven't lived it, it's really hard to empathize. So it's just given me a lot of perspective that I probably wouldn't have had otherwise. All right, well, uh, now we're up, up to another. one more question, Lori, or a couple more. Um, I was just wanting to ask you, what do you want people to know about you and your company? What do I want people to know about me? Um, well, I'm married up. I have a great husband, two beautiful girls, six and four, and a 135 pound horse. It's a dog. Um, I thought I saw an image of that on your Facebook page. That boy did look big. <laughs> yeah, sometimes he comes back here and he'll howl like a wolf if the girls leave. Um, so I don't know that for, for what it's worth. Um, that's something folks might want to know about me, about my company. Couple of fun facts: We uh, we do business all across the United States. We currently have a presence in forty six out of the fifty states. Um, our average tenure of the employees in our organization is right around fifteen years. So when you work with Lifetime Benefit Solutions, you can be rest assured that you have folks that know what they're doing and 
really like this business and care about it. Um, it's not just a stepping stone for a lot of people. Um, and, you know, we have been through a lot of change over the last couple of years, but I feel really good about where we are right now. We've, we've come a, an extremely long way. Um, and we are, you know, ready to partner with folks who have needs in the employee benefit space. That is awesome. You said 46 out of the 50 states you're in? Um, when yep. are you moving to the other four? Or is, is that on the horizon or is that insider information? <laughs> insider information, Kevin. All right. Put <laughs> in that one. We'll come back to it. We'll come back to it. As we're kind of wrapping up before we get into the last segment, um, one of the things I, I always love to ask is um, what is Lori's personal mission statement that gets you out of the bed in the morning as you're preparing for your day, coming into the office doors, not sure what challenges you're going to face? What is Lori Florak's personal mission statement? Oh, man. Um, I will improve the community in which I reside. Beautiful. All right. So we've learned so much from you, Lori. I, I, I can't thank you enough you're from, from your humble beginnings and, and sharing that life story. And, and, and obviously the, the fun facts about the sunny dance floor at SUNY Fredonia. Um, you've given us a lot of tidbits of information um, that we can take um, and share with the, the community as a whole. Um, for our last segment, because you came from HR, you've come from the world of recruiting. Um, you've probably answered a lot of these questions on your own and been asked some of these questions or even asking some hopeful applicants that are coming through your doors there at Lifetime. We like to ask some of our favorite interview questions. So without further ado, I'm going to have Tyler kick us off with his favorite interview question and see what the right answer on how we are supposed to respond to these are. Yeah, Lori, I always got asked the question, if I could gain one skill, what would it be? <laughs> I want to learn one note. I want to learn how to better use one note because I think it could help me organize really well. Um, no, that's the first thing that came to my mind. <laughs> yeah, I oh, all right, all right. We'll check that box off on the interview here. Sorry, Lori. <laughs> Moving on. So we talked, about your, <laughs> we talked about your strengths. We talked about some of your, uh, a lot of the strengths that you offer from listening to creating, uh, you mentioned on the website, uh, sound relationships and building the importance of these sound relationships, but also the transparency as a leader, not making emotional decisions. We did not talk about what is your greatest weakness and what is your plan to improve it? I was not expecting typical interview questions from Kevin. Um, you know, maybe this is cliche because I think it is a little bit, but I do think my greatest weakness is also one of my biggest strengths. Um, it's empathy. So. So what happens to me is empathy is a big strength of mine. It also at times can cloud my ability to make the right business decision, right? So, um, you know, there have been times when results aren't happening or individuals demonstrate actions that are counter to the culture we're trying to create. And I love to say, oh, but there's such a nice, per you know, I. I care about them and I, you know, I don't want to, you know, and I can do that and I should do that and I, and I will, but I have to be able to draw the line when, you know, I've done everything I can. And now the business has a need that, that this person doesn't maybe fit in. Um, that's, that, that's been a challenge for me. It's been something I've learned over time. Um, but I have to remember it's not, it's personal 
is very important, but it's not personal, it's business at the end of the day. And without a good protected business and without managing risks within the business, I'm not serving anyone well. Yeah, and it's always weighing that the the the, the reward and, and and how you're going to make the impact on the business. And um, I love the way that you answered that question because, and through all my reading, you're supposed to take that weakness and turn it into an associated yes, strength. So your coaching is definitely say. working, Lori. It's definitely working, but. I know um, I'm uh, so grateful for you taking time out of your busy calendar and busy schedule to come uh, have I'm a conversation sure. with uh, Tyler and I. Again, two generally curious journeymen, really picking the brains of our bright mind leaders here um, in a roundabout way in a casual setting. But um, we're so excited uh, to, to kind of share your story with the local community. And if anybody gets the opportunity and see some job openings at Lifetime Benefits, they can feel confident and comfortable that they're coming to work for one of the best leaders in our area. So Lori, thank you, thank you so much. And to our guests, thank thanks you. for joining us. And please stop by uh, next week on Friday as we release another episode of Time Out with Leaders. And we will give you a little tip of who the next leader is, but no, we won't. So come back <laughs> for next week. And thanks again so much. Thank you, Lord.